0: Everyone, if you don't know me, I'm Monica. Hi. Okay, so um, I just wanted to start off the service today. Um, This is really random, but this past week I started volleyball on Monday, and uh, you know I wanted to tell my teammates as I got closer to them about how I was doing my testimony at church because during that during the week they were like, "Oh, we should do a team church at Wally," and I'm like. I can't and it was just like a lot of pressure because I didn't want to make it about me because I wanted to be like you know a team player and stuff and I didn't want to be like hey guys I have to do my testimony at my church mm. <laughs> but yeah so like I just put it off to the last minute and I made it a bigger deal than it needed to be and I was just like hey guys um, I'm sorry to make this really awkward but I can't go to the team church and I'm really sorry and I made it a, re- a huge deal in the group chat I didn't even say it to their faces I was so terrified and they were kind of like, oh, it's okay, Monica. Your testimony is really important to your growth. And they were like, we love you. We love you so much. And I was, like, sitting there at, like, 10 o'clock at night, because this is when I did it last night at 10. <laughs> and I was like, and and I was just like, I love you guys, too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, just wanted to share that with you guys. My volleyball teammates are great. So Yeah. We're going to have a great year. Okay. So... Anyways, um, uh, so I just wanted to start off by saying that uh, the most influential youth ministry that I participated in was Bible quizzing, and that was a really important ministry to me, um, and that was like the first thing that I knew I wanted to talk about. Um, And I did it for three years, which was pretty short, but it was extremely influential to my faith. Um, My first year, I quizzed on the Gospel of Matthew. My second year, I quizzed on the book of Romans and James. And lastly, during my senior year of high school, I quizzed on the Book of Acts. Uh, part of the reason why I got so hooked on Bible quizzing, and I don't know, I don't know if any of you guys know what Bible quizzing is, but it's like um, a youth ministry. It's a competition where you just read the Bible, and then you answer questions on it. It's like, uh, it's amazing, yes. yes. Amen. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it was just, it was a competition. It was really fun. And you just studied the Bible, and you answered questions on it. And I love competing. I always loved playing games, and I just love being the best at anything that I set my mind to. Um, I've always, what is it? Oh, I just lost my place. I'm so sorry, guys. I, I can be a little over the top when I really get into something. Um, I was such a diehard overachiever that I was actually novice during my first year of quizzing, and I finished it off placing first um, in the junior varsity division, which isn't I'm, I'm sorry, I sound like I'm tooting my own horn. Um, the JV division, I was like 15 years old when I did it, but there was a bunch of like, it was made for kids that were like three years younger than me, so I was like, oh yeah, take that. All of you 12 year olds, yes. <laughs> and um, Yeah. Uh, so, quizzing was a lot of fun for me, and it really got my, it, I was hooked on it because of you know my competitive nature. I just wanted to be the best. But I didn't stay in quizzing because I loved jumping on some seats and answering questions, questions and winning, winning ribbons and awards. That I, you know, because I robotically memorized scripture and verses. Um, I formed some solid relationships with people who were part of this ministry, most of whom I consider family rather than just really ri- close friends. Now, I learned more about who Jesus was, the example that He set for me to follow, and also how to follow that example. Because of the people in this ministry, and it, it brought me rapidly closer to God in ways that I just never expected. As a Christian, it was crucial for me, for me to study the Bible, and I didn't know how to go about it until I did Bible quizzing, and it was just super important. It was it, it formed the foundation of my faith. Oh, uh, um, sorry, and. Um, I stand on top of that ministry. I stand, and because of, I wouldn't be who I am because of that ministry. And, yeah, and through the word of God and through the Christ-like examples that others set before me to learn from, I was able to see what my faith should look like. If someone told me 10 years ago that I would learn to have a relationship with God, I I wouldn't have understood what that meant. I would have been really confused because I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and if someone told me that I was going to do it through a ministry called Bible quizzing, I would have called them lame and then I would have called them crazy. Um, but yeah, so I remember first hearing about Bible quizzing when I was going into sixth grade right here at the youth group. And it took me four years before I decided to try it out. And during those years, prior to my involvement in quizzing, I, I refused to do it. Um, I don't know. I didn't know what Bible quizzing was and judging from the name I was not I d I wasn't I didn't want to quiz. Cause that has a bad, I don't want to test. I don't want to take tests. Because I thought like you just sat in a room, you know, with a bunch of other kids in silence and you just answered multiple choice questions. Fun. Um But but honestly, like and like sometimes I think about it, and I'm like, if I had known how awesome it was, I would have done it like a lot sooner. I could have had like three or four more years under my belt if I had known how awesome it was. And I kind of blame the name for it. I'm just saying. But I, I try not to dwell on that. I'm I'm just kidding. The name wasn't really like the make or break deciding factor that pushed me away from quizzing. Um, there were definitely other reasons why I chose not to do quizzing. And I think the main reason was, I again, I had no desire to do teen quizzing at all, um, because I had no desire to seek after God. Um, before I did quizzing, I didn't understand what it was like to believe in God, and I didn't understand and appreciate the implications of what it meant to have faith in God. That sounds very vague and ambiguous, and I'm trying my best, but I just didn't understand why I should care enough to have a relationship with God. I just thought I needed, I needed to believe in him, and then, you know, that was my ticket in heaven. Um, and I didn't understand that what I was supposed to do was hand over my entire life to him, and I wasn't prepared to do that. It, it took a pretty long and slow, boring journey to bring me to him. I didn't have this immediate, like, you know, aha moment, this great transformation where I instantly believed and had faith in him, and my life just dramatically changed. It was just sort of like I was this ship and I was heading off into one direction. And like when I finally decided like I don't want my ship to head in this direction anymore, God said, okay, we'll make a slight adjustment. And he turned it. And like, you know, it's just a small little turn, but it definitely changed that the destination of where my ship was headed, like forever. And Choosing to have faith in God didn't rock the boat, but the course—yeah, I said that—but the course of the ship was changed forever. But um, before God came into— but before God came into my life, there were definitely years where I didn't care that He existed. I didn't have any type of connection with Him. Basically, I just didn't know God at all. Regardless, I found that God was working in my life, even when I was not aware that He was there, taking care of me, even if I didn't care about Him. So, I'm going to go straight to the beginning now. And this is where our story begins. That's right. We're talking about me and Bethel, all of you guys. And the first time I stepped into a church was here when I was in second grade. And I just want to emphasize that this is definitely our story here because this is real like this is Bethel's ch- story, it's just told from my perspective. Um, my former viewers are becoming a Christian um, happened here, whether it was indirectly or directly. You, you guys were ground zero for my faith. And you guys were youth leaders to me. You guys were people who prayed over me. You guys were even people who helped provide to get me to Festival, Festival of Life, to go to camp. You guys even provided me to do quizzing. And with the, without you guys, I wouldn't be able to do any of these things. So really quick shout out and thanks, guys. Um, but yeah. Um, so the reason why I came to church was that my mom was invited. Uh, she met a woman named Marianne Vieira, who invited my mom one day to church after school, you know, when all the parents are in the school yard just waiting to pick up their kids. And my mom took her up on the offer, bringing me and my sister Marianne to church with her. My mom dropped my sister and I off at Sunday school together, and my mom went upstairs to do whatever the adults were doing. I didn't know what you guys did for a while. Um, uh, during our short time at both together as a family, me, my sister, and my mom, we would all experience our first church service. And during our time here, we would experience many other firsts. I remember experiencing my first communion. I remember experiencing prayer for the first time. Um, I also remember thinking that the lower you got your head um, during prayer, like the better prayer you were. Super humbling moment. Um, but, um, what I remembered most was that whether I was in Sunday school, in church services, or in VBS, every time I came to Bethel, I experienced a group of people who were willing to guide me towards a more personal relationship with God, and I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now, but everyone was so willing to bend as far as they possibly could without breaking in order to tell me, to show me how much God loves me. And like you guys, there was an entire congregation willing to do everything that they possibly could to bridge the gap between me and God. But the truth is, I could never bring myself wholeheartedly to believe that God loved me. Um, I didn't feel close to him. He was just like this far away, Transcendent being, and I—I I needed to experience this love that everyone was talking about. This love that everyone felt like changed their lives. Um, selfish to say, but I needed to come to my own understanding of it. It wasn't that I didn't trust the people here at Bethel and um, throughout the Nazarene Church. I just needed my own conviction. This sounds bad, and it's again selfish, but it was like I needed the Lord to prove that he loved me um, in order for me to love him as well. And I needed my own unique personal moment with him. Um, although I totally, totally underappreciated God um, and his love for me, I can say the first time I was at church, I was really excited to learn more about God. And you know I think this is where the Holy Spirit was working in me. Um, I was obedient, mainly because I feared death and I wanted to go to heaven. But I was still pretty excited. I was pumped. Eternal life in heaven. Like, heck, yes. Um, And, like, I remember other kids, um, you know, in my second grade class, I would tell them, stop saying, oh, my God, because it's really mean to God. And I remember, you know, praying before snack time and lunch time. Um, I remember learning about sin, then kind of trying to use it as an excuse to get out of, trouble with my teachers and my mom. It's um, not me mom, it's the sin that's inside of me that's making me do all these bad things. Um, 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 I, I wasn't embarrassed, I mean, okay, so that, that was like short-lived, I know now, like, I know better now, okay. Um, but I wasn't embarrassed, I wasn't ashamed to show off my belief in God but um you know I may have misconstrued God's will at times and but I was excited to have some structure in which I could pursue my belief in God and even if it was just a belief in God in God that God existed you know it was it was still pretty cool it was exciting um, the zeal that I had for God was short-lived being outspoken and un, unafraid to proclaim him um, but and it died down, but it was a spark that never really um, fizzled out. We only attended um, my mom, my sister Marianne, and I, as a family, we only attended church for a year or two. And then after that, my mom stopped coming, and it sort of crumbled from there. Uh, But my sister and I still found a way to be a part of the church, even if we didn't go to the regular Sunday services. my sister and I went to Kids Club, which is kind of like a youth group, but for kids. Yes, represent. We got some alumni from Kids Club. Uh, but um, uh, We started going to Kids Club and um, we went until we were in the fifth grade. And then we moved on to youth group, um, I'm sorry, teen extreme, the teen youth group. Um, when we got to middle school and my sister Mary and she stopped coming and I stuck around. Uh, I stayed because I had a lot of friends that I was really close with who also attended youth group. Um, there were also a lot of fun games that I liked to play. And like I already established, I'm super competitive. and just love playing games. Um, I stuck around the church because I, I had a place to hang out. I had a place where I could go and have fun and be extremely obnoxious if I wanted to. Sorry, youth leaders. Um, it was a safe place and a comfortable, comfortable place for me. But rarely did I did I ever listen to the twenty minute sermons that were preached every week. Um, I would I would zone in on the sermons, though. There were times where I would actually listen, and I would always have this reoccurring thought that maybe this is something that I should try out. Maybe I'll give it a shot, but I'll do it later. I'll become a Christian eventually, just not right now. When I have my life figured out. And when I have my life all figured out, then I'll make time for God. I will never have life figured out, oh my gosh. That would have never happened. So yeah. Um, then during the summer that I was going into eighth grade, I was at youth group over the, during this summer vacation. And I found out that all of my friends in a week were heading off to Windsor Hills Junior High Camp. And I'm just like, I'm going to be all alone. I'm going to be so bored. So I'm like, I'm going to go to camp a week before. Like I just registered. And I registered the same night. I asked my mom the same night, and it happened. Um, That year of camp was amazing for me. And it was, and I would come back every summer afterwards because of it. After I got home from camp, I cried because I was like, I want to go back. That was where I belonged. I need to stay there forever. And there were years at camp, I would go back and I would experience these spiritual highs like, yes, Lord, yes. But I never, but like, any, but like with any quick burst of powerful emotions, there was always a rapid decline that would follow. These feelings were never enough to move me into action, to actually change my life, to make it more centered on God. So during my first couple of years, I would feel myself, um, during my first couple of years of going to camp, I would feel myself being called to God But I just didn't want to move. I wasn't ready to budge, to take that leap of faith, and to trust in God. I'm the type of person who likes to have herself, like, planted on sturdy ground. And I I just don't like change. And I always thought, you know, who better to know what was best for me other than myself? I don't need God to help transform my life for the better. I just kept telling myself, oh, like, my life is perfectly fine, I don't need him, I'm I'm okay. But I knew deep down I was broken, I just didn't want to admit it. Back then it took a lot for me to just uproot myself and jump right into something new, something unknown, something scary. That's something that sticks with me even now. I wasn't ready to make that sacrifice, to give up my own life, to obey God. But that's only because I didn't know any better. You know, I had never tried it God's way before, because I was stuck in my own ways, my old ways. I just thought I didn't need God in the picture. So I pushed him far back into my mind, behind all the things that were broken and flawed and incomplete about me. And during my middle school years and my freshman year of high school, I just didn't, I didn't feel God's presence. And that was my own fault. I, I pushed him way back. I put him all the way back in the foreground. I shut him out. Um, and I justified by thinking that God was never there for me. I justified that he had more important matters to take care of, a bajillion other people to take care of, rather than, than to help me with my own silly problems and to make time for my, my own life. Growing up and um, being the oldest child in my family, my mom held me to a higher standard, giving me more responsibilities and overall just expecting more out of me. I was the oldest, so I had to be the example for my younger sisters. I was almost like a second parent. Like I was expected to be a second parent, and I just didn't know how to go about that. There was a lot of pressure on me, and there were also many times where I never met her standards, and I fell far from her expectations. And likewise, it was the same all around my family. Like I expected a lot out of my family, and I needed them to be there for me, and they would just let me down. And we're all flawed, and we all let each other down. But at you know, it's something that we can't help. Um, and you know, we were really, we were always really harsh with each other, very critical of each other. We were always lacking in sympathy. We were never quick to listen, never quick to understand. We were always ready to just get angry at each other. Um, we, we all, we never talked about our feelings. We rarely ever apologized or compromised with each other. And we never really forgave, and we never really forgot. And what, whatever we would fight about was just brought up in another fight. We would all just bottle up what we were feeling and build up our frustration. And we, when we had enough, we would just let it spill out on each other. And this was a cycle that would just go on over and over again. And it was just really unhealthy. And I wanted to break this cycle, but I, I didn't know how to go about it. And it's just so frustrating because you want to like, like you're expected to be perfect. You're expected to like, you know, fix this mistake quickly. Let's go, come on, and move on from it. But it was just like, I was just stuck, and I didn't know any better. I didn't know how to fix it, and I wanted to so badly. Um, and and eventually, I just expected myself to just pretend to have it all together. To just pretend that I didn't have a problem with anyone in my family, and to just let things go and forget about them, or try to forget about them. Um, I just assumed that if I didn't talk to them, that if I kept my mouth closed and didn't say anything or ask for anything, that things, you know, you know, it would. There wouldn't there would be one less fight to worry about, one less argument that I could avoid. Wait, no, one more argument argument that I could avoid. Um, but that never really worked out. Really, I was just building up to this bigger fight. Um, and, and still, I just stuck in my old ways. I just kept trying to do that same thing over and over again. Eventually, I put so much distance between me and myself, between myself and my family, just not talking to them, that I didn't go to them for anything at all. I hardly talked to them. I I didn't. I didn't even know them, really. And I knew that I couldn't fix all the problems in the world, but I became comfortable with this idea that I could solve all my problems on my own without any help from anyone. I always felt the need to do everything myself, to fix everything myself. I mean, if I didn't, then who would? It was just me against the world, and I had to stand up to it and not crumble and break at everything that it threw at me. So I, I, I just pretended I was fine, again, like had it all together. During the summer of 2012, I was going into my senior high. Um, I was going into uh, Windsor Hills Senior High Camp for the first time, So transition from middle school to high school camp. Um, I was going into my sophomore year of high school, though, and I was happy when I got to the campground. I had pretty much established at that point that that, that camp, the week of camp was always the happiest week of my my of uh, every year for me, and. Um, I remember a particular sermon that a youth pastor preached. And it was on John 8, 1 through 11. And I'm going to read it to you guys right now. So, yeah. Um, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now what do you say? They were using this, as a, using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this time, those who heard began to go away, one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. And the youth pastor, this wasn't a regular sermon that I had heard before. This was more of a story. It was told um, according to the perspective of the adulteress. This youth pastor gave her a name, gave her a life. And he brought this story to life for me. And, um, you know, this was the first sermon that I actually was moved by. I cried because I understood why it was so important to me. And I was really happy about it. So um it, because it was just like it all clicked for me in that moment. In that sermon, I felt like I wasn't, you know, this huge letdown anymore. I didn't feel like I was a failure. I didn't feel the need to beat myself up over my own mistakes and my own faults and my own flaws and how much of a terrible, how much of a terrible person I was to everyone around me, including my family. I didn't feel the need to feel guilty anymore. I was so sick and I was so tired of keeping it together and pretending like I had it all figured out. And you know, God saw all of my broken pieces and me just scrambling to keep it all together, and it, it was just a mess. And in that moment, he just told me, stop. I didn't feel the need to condemn myself anymore because God didn't condemn me, you know? Um, this almighty being didn't see me as unworthy, as a mistake, despite my own sins. He saw me for more than what I felt guilty about more than my imperfections and the things that I was ashamed about, more than the secrets about myself that I tried to hide from everyone. And he saw me as his own and he, he claimed me. He was like, yes, you know, I'm not going to condemn you. And as he saw me as not a sinner, but that I was worthy of being more than a, just a sinner in his eyes. And I had finally experienced God's grace. I had a dose of what it was like to have God's love and to feel God's love for me. And you know, I'm I'm still a perfectionist. I'm still an overachiever. I'm still a control freak. Not much has changed about me because of you know, but I can rec- not much has changed like since I like I wasn't like transformed by God's love. It's still you know occurring. But I can recognize that I'm I'm also a mess. I don't need to be perfect. And without God, I would have continued to just mess up my life over and over again, um, never to get out of the cycle of brokenness that I was in. And God changed that for me. He um, changed my perspective on it. He gave, he gave me hope. Even now, I can still screw up pretty badly. I don't feel like I'm the one, but I don't feel like I am the one who has to constantly fix myself. I don't feel the need to achieve perfection because it, it, it had already been attained by Jesus. And through his death, I was made perfect because through his sacrifice, I was reconciled to God, my father, and I was made whole again. My broken pieces are just fine to God. My sins he would forgive over and over again because, because his love is truly relentless. And through this youth pastor's sermon, I saw how deep his love really went for me. And in this sermon, I just... I finally understood, and it was it was a freeing moment for me. I felt liberated. Um, I felt like Dobby in Harry Potter. Um, When Harry Potter tricks Dobby's master into freeing him, and Dobby was so happy and he was so grateful towards Harry that Dobby just wanted to be you know best friends with Harry forever, and he just wanted to give him all the socks in the world because. When you when you have to free an elf, I don't know if you guys know this Um, in Harry Potter world, uh, you have to give them an article of clothing, and yeah, so yeah. Um, But yeah, I I felt the same way. Um, I didn't want to give him socks, but I wanted I I didn't want to give God socks, but I wanted to hand my life over to God, Um, just everything, just like here. Thanks for showing me your love. Can you help me fix this? And he's like, I got you. No worries. Yeah, I wanted wanted more of God. I wanted to be closer to him. I finally wanted to have that relationship with God. And I didn't want to lose this spark. I felt it before. But this time I was like, I can't lose this. This is mine. Like, I want to keep this going. Um, And, like, this fire was just, like, you know, it had been lit inside of me and it was burning. Um, And I didn't want to lose that connection that I had made with God. And I was so scared about losing it. But then the next day, you know, Andrew Metcalf and a bunch of other quizzes came up and they were like, hey, you should do Bible quizzing. And I'm like, I'm in. Uh, So yeah. The rest of it is pretty much history. Um, Through Bible quizzing, I was able to grow tremendously. It was an incredibly transformative period in my life. Uh, The foundations of my faith stands on that ministry again. And through Bible quizzing, God provided his word so that I may mature But he also provided a family for me. Um, He provided me examples of how to follow him. And he he provided me examples of what he wanted his love to look like through me and through other people towards me. Uh, um, So let me backtrack really quick. He wanted, and through the example of other people's love, I was able to see, oh, so this is what your love is supposed to look like for other people. And I'm like, okay, I can I can try this. Um, he was sort of just like, you want to get better? You know, here's how. Here's this person right here. Um, or here's this Bible verse in here. And what else? You want to be a better follower of Christ? Here's a person that's. Here's a person that's a perfect example of that you want people that love you for who you are and accept or, accept you despite your flaws cake easy um, he provided me with coaches that guided me great friends great friends that kept me accountable and just and people who just constantly loved on me even at my very worst. Um, quizzing has definitely taught me a lot um, the most important thing that it has taught me is definitely to love as much as possible but that was like a given you know, from day one. um, To to just continuously love people as graciously as God loves me. To love even if if it is too hard. Every day I try to follow the example that Jesus was, and I start by loving people as much as I possibly can, without it being too awkward. That's something that I really struggle with. Um, uh, To accept them with all of their baggage and all of their sins. I don't ever want people to feel like their weaknesses and their flaws make them unworthy of love, unworthy to, you know, even be loved. Um, I don't want people to feel like they're ever not good enough. And I've been there, and it's like, it's a bad place to be. Um, I want them to know that God thinks that they're perfect and that they're worthy of love and acceptance, and, you know, sin and all, just everything. I'm still learning. But I think that God's love is a good place to have my faith based upon. To have it centered around the relationship that I have with Him, and it was a two-way street. My relationships with people um, throughout the church, throughout Bible quizzing, throughout camp, um, really helped me to learn how to have a relation to be in relationship with Him. But His relationship also, you know, came back to help those relationships as well. Um, I'm still a pretty young Christian, so I don't really know uh, what I, what else I'm supposed to do. I try to love people as much as possible. Um, it's it's really hard, so um, yeah. But I think that it's a pretty simple call that God has has for us, um, and I just want to end on a prayer that has sort of been with me. For a very long time and it's kind of a default and it I've said it so many times that it's just like breathing. Um and it's it's the Shema surprise. So yeah. If you guys wanna say it with me, or you guys can just put your pinkies up if you don't know it. But that's how we learned it in youth group, teen youth group. Yeah. So um the Shema, we talk about we put our pinkies up because um you know, God freed the slaves by just waving his hand and opening up the Red Sea. Imagine what he could do in our lives with just a pinky. Toop. Okay. So, um, Hero of Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Amen.